Bam, we're live. Hey, uh, um, uh, you, you're in a new spot. No, I'm in the same spot. Different camera. Same camera. I changed the flag in the back. Oh, you did. What? What? It was a. It was a different uh, U.S. flag. No, I had like a, um, uh, like a Matty Rogers flag. It said, uh, I can't remember what it said, but I put it in the gym instead. You're a good dude. Public gym, like the gym in, on base. Oh no, it's my own like garage gym. You have a garage gym? Yeah. Dang. It's kind of nice. And you got your Star Wars shit in the background. <laughs> yeah. How old are you? Only twenty six. Wow, AJ, look at look at your oh, you're a year older than AJ. Year, one year. One year. Um, AJ, this is this is nice, buddy. This uh you at this uh, with the apex of the triangle over your head, the back kind of mysterious, mm. you well oh, yeah. lit. You see, that, you see that little dude right there? Yes. Creepy, huh? Yeah, well, is that is that like some tribute to some soldier? What is that like Murph or something? Kinda. It's uh have you ever heard Joe Rogan talk about uh Quana Parker? No. From, okay, so it's a, a Comanche, the last like Comanche kind of war chief, I guess. I don't want to go off on a on a whole tangent, but he's a cool dude. Real cool I, dude. I, I want you to go off on a tangent before but first I want to say one thing. Guys, we've done a podcast with AJ Fletcher before. Uh since then the podcast has exploded. I'm so excited. I went back and looked at the last podcast we did. Holy cow, were we primitive back then? Um, I didn't even have this beard. Um this guy, um, my biggest concern about AJ Fletcher is that him and my other favorite in the 171 are someday going to have to meet up, and it is Jack De La Magdalena, who Ooh, it's a scrap, brother. Yeah, these you're looking. Um, these are two of my favorites. I my favorite part about the next level I've taken my UFC fanship to is to jump on bandwagons, um, but before. <laughs> Man. what's crazy is even when i do jump on the aj fletcher bandwagon you already have this huge like catalog behind you of fights and, and battles and it's nuts but um uh aj we did a podcast with them great guy uh he, uh, he's smart as fuck biology major uh he uses an android makes me hate him but know that he's smart um and he is fighting on march 12th against a guy who this guy's a a handful this guy is a handful uh matthew Selmels, Sel, Selmelsberger. uh he he did, i think he destroyed jason witt who i had on the show who i really liked and um and 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 there's uh, even though aj is a large man at 510 uh this guy is a giant uh for the weight class uh, eight inch uh reach differential which uh, aj doesn't respect the um the reach uh statistic <laughs> i saw your podcast <laughs> what so not at all <laughs> and uh and these are two extremely extremely powerful men and when aj um wins this it is going to do something very interesting to his career i i would I, I normally don't have any interest in interviewing the matchmakers but this one i'm so curious because you are um a uh a, you're a beautiful man um the cameras love you you're ex yes yes you're extremely talented um, your physique just screams all sorts of crazy shit, and uh, and yet they're just putting you right away with this uh, with the guy who's been around a little bit more in in in, in the UFC. So, um, I mean, both you guys, they're, they're, it's a tough sport, right? Every fight is like the Super Bowl. There's Absolutely. no homeostasis. You're either going better or worse. 
Exactly, dude. Each fight from here on out. And I mean, really, from the beginning of your career, if you're doing it right, each fight's going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what you want. That's what you come to expect. And for them, like you said, Matt's a tough guy as a, to have as a debut, you know, and I feel like for them giving me you are considering this your debut. Sorry to interrupt. You're considering this your debut. Yeah. Okay. Dude, I, okay. I, I got the contender fight, but I don't know. I, I want that first UFC win under my belt for me to really like, you know, feel like I'm in that thing. And for them to kind of give me somebody like Matt right away with some wins, some knockouts under his belt. Yeah, it's a big, you know, it's a big step. It's a big, uh, big risk, I guess some people would say, but it's also a big opportunity. And I'm glad that, you know, they've seen my skill level. They see what I bring to the table and they think that I match up well with somebody like this. Getting to, you know, be the feature prelim on my first, my, my debut, like how many people wish for that, you know, and it's coming true. So I feel like I've done the work to get here and I feel like I deserve it. And, you know, I know Matt's a tough test, but I feel like I'm right where I belong. The dude you fought, Leonardo, is a savage, too, in the Contender Series. That's why it's kind of hard to say that that's not a debut. That guy was no joke. Oh, yeah. He could he, he, he could he could swing some hammers, bro. Boy, hit hard. So so tell me about this guy in the background. Um, can you pull up – can you spell that word, uh, Caleb, whatever that guy's name was? The, the well, na- let the, me turn on the light so you can see him a little bit easier, too. All right. I, I was going to call him a Navajo, but that was, that was the um, racial – Comanche. That was what they used to call. Did, did you ever see the movie Young Guns? I don't think so. Uh-uh. Oh, it's so good. And and one of the I'm trying. Uh, what's that actor's name? He's a um. What is that actor's name? He was in La Bamba. But anyway, he plays a Native American in it. And the whole time, the other guys are just keep calling him Navajo, Na- like as a as a racial slur. So as I said it, I'm like, oops. Um, but I but I'm exempt. I, I look like Osama bin Laden. I can say whatever I want. Fair enough. Kuana Parker was a war leader of oh, – hold on, hold on, Caleb. Don't get squirrely. He was a war leader of Kawadi, Antelope Band of the Kamachi. He was likely born into – okay, okay. He did something tell us. You're going to have to give us the cliff notes. Yeah, I can, give you the, I can give you the spark notes. Basically, his mom, they say it there, Cynthia Ann Parker was uh, – she was a frontiers lady, I guess, um, kind of when the West was being settled. And back then, the Comanches, a lot of times, they would go and they would raid a lot of these forts and take captives and stuff like that from, you know, from people kind of coming in on their land. And one of the reasons that the book says that they did this, this is like a little aside, but the Comanches rode there. They were notorious like horsemen and horsewomen, like they just lived on horseback probably 80 percent of their lives, just following the buffalo herds and all that. But what it did is a lot of the women had had trouble childbearing. So one of the ways that they would keep the population numbers in their tribe up is they would go and they would raid and then, you know, take women. Cynthia Ann Parker was one of those women and she was a a young girl whenever she was taken. Eventually, like um, as she kind of lived with the tribe more and more, she became assimilated in some way into the tribe to the point where I think three separate times um, settlers had captured her been able to capture her and make trades for her or something. And she refused to go back to, you know, civilized life to European life. She's, she wanted to stay with, with the Indian way of life. And, uh, that can happen to kids too. If you raise them as Democrats, I was raised as a Democrat and I escaped, but it can, a lot of us don't escape. A lot of us don't. Escape. Lucky I, few. Yeah. I, I escaped. Yeah. But go on. So, but she did, she didn't escape. Okay. Go on. Right. So she uh, I think she ended up marrying like one of the war chiefs or, uh, you know, a soldier or something from their tribe and ended up getting Kiwana Parker. Uh, He grows up, becomes like this, just the face of, I guess, their military, if you will, Um, you know, a savage war leader, stuff like that. 
uh, over time in his life. So that guy's 50% whitey, that guy that we're looking at right there. That's 50% you, 50% Native American. Yeah, man. Man, he looks. Probably he, is the, wow. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, but, go on. No, you're good. He was, uh, anyway, like as they start, as we started kind of, you know, moving everybody into reservations and, you know, starting to head that direction a little bit, he became, he, he transitioned from this savage war leader and figured out, you know, taught himself English, taught himself all these different things and essentially became a, a fighter on the, what would you say, political front, I guess. He was able to um, carve out opportunities for them. He was able to make sure that they got the fair end of the deals, at least in some ways. Obviously, they still got, you know, massively screwed over and everything. But, um, yeah, just the, he he's to me is a guy that embodies like the whole like warrior ethos, not just of, you know, blood and guts, but also brains and, you know, being able to fight verbally and, you know, those little mental battles i guess as well so super cool dude and the book is the book about him and his mom cynthia ann parker is called empire of the summer moon it's really really good you read it oh yeah it's awesome hey, you're, you're you're a you're a what what, are, what do you call people who read a lot didax is that is that a word i guess maybe that is that a word caleb you're smart i don't know about it didact but didact is not what you call people like who read a lot didax i remember that from the last emperor of the what Emperor, Empire of the Summer Moon. Empire of the Summer Moon. Someone told someone recently, uh, DMing is like, dude, you guys talk about so many good books in your podcast. Please put them in the notes. Okay, we're going to try to put that one in there. Empire of the Summer Moon, as suggested by AJ Fletcher. As we, like usual on this podcast, recycle content from Joe Rogan. Thank you, Joe Rogan. <laughs> the Seven Podcast. Bro. Recycle Joe Rogan content. What? Said done everybody, bro. <laughs> it's it's uh, a his, bibliophile. It's a bibliophile. What's a didact? Didact is a per- person over inclined to instruct others. Oh yeah, that's me. God, can you imagine <laughs> living with me? Um, Lou Diamond Phillips. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Richie Valens. I think he played Rich. I think Richie Valens is a singer, and uh, Lou Diamond played Richie Valens. Right? Richie Valens is La Bamba. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. All righty, all righty. You um, you do do you have any choice for the fight, um, AJ? H- you're just kicking it, and and someone calls you. I know you. It's been six months, and when I talked to you before, you it's maybe even seven months by the time you fight, right? Yeah. And that yeah. was a longer longer wait than you wanted. Oh, absolutely, man. I want to, you know, I want to be in there. I want activity. I want to feel like there's no uh no way to kind of you can train, you can kind of get ready for fights and all that. And we have been, I was gearing up for something in December that ended up not coming to fruition and just kind of rolled that into, you know, getting ready for March. But yeah, I'm somebody who likes being in there. I like feeling that canvas under my feet and I like, you know, feeling those little butterflies walking in there. I don't, I don't think there's anything that can replicate that. And the more you're in there, you know, the more, I think the more comfortable you get, the more experience you get, the more just everything, man, you can't beat it. And where are you guys fighting? It's going to be in the apex in Las Vegas. And the week after that, they're going, do, do, are you a fan of the sport? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you'll watch the fights tonight. Oh, hundred percent. The, there's some guys that just aren't fans of the sport. And I always wonder about that. We're about to have Alex Caceres on and he says he doesn't watch the sport at all, that he's not into sports. But I wonder like if in the beginning, like how did he even find out about it? Like in the beginning, did he watch it? 
I don't know. He could have been one of those guys who came from like a traditional, especially Alex from remembering his background, right? Came from a traditional martial arts background and then kind of blended into MMA. Um, and he was a street he was a street fighter too. There there's there's footage of him like, you know, doing the a lot of the backyard shit, like the shit Jorge used to do. Is there really damn, I haven't seen that. Let's go scrounge yeah. it up. Yeah, it's 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 it looks um those scenes look scarier to me than actually fighting. You're in some dude's backyard. There's 200 dudes back there. There's dudes like pushing you back into the center while you're fighting. It's like high school shit. Pretty much, dude. Have you ever seen the old videos of uh, Kimbo? And I mean, when George fought back then. Yeah, that's some real stuff, dude. That's some real stuff. What was the one video of Kimbo? He's like fighting a cop. And like they're they're like in a kitchen. I mean, it's organized. There's like five or six people there. But he fights this giant New York City cop, giant dude, and they're they're like fighting in like a they're fighting inside, like in a small enclosed area. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. And um, they go to war. They go to war. Oh, is this it? <laughs> We're gonna get. Into... Oh, no, no, this isn't the this isn't the one I this isn't the one I was referencing. But that looks like the dude again. Oh, you're gonna get us kicked off of YouTube, Caleb. You're <laughs> Um, AJ, do you feel stronger than the other guys at 170? Yeah. Um, I'd say I feel about average. I, I do feel like in certain positions, my body frame is stronger than, you know, stronger than most, especially like a guy like Matt, for example, he's going to have his strengths, but my, how would I say it? My, uh, I'm stronger than him on the inside when I get close. And I feel like his strength has to have more room to, to be able to work. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I feel like a lot of one seventy guys. I get this impression from watching your fights that that people are when you grab them that there's like an oh fuck factor that they get like oh fuck this is yeah. this doesn't this doesn't feel like the guys I trained with. There's a there's a thickness or and you're not it's not like you're short but there's a thickness and a rotundness to you and a and a and yet an athleticism that doesn't that they that they weren't able to train with that you're a very unique athlete. I think so. And I think that goes like, yeah, it's part of my strength, but it's part of, you know, how I squeeze and stuff like that. But it's also understanding how to get them in positions where it's a hundred percent of my body weight and my strength versus 20%, 30%. So even bigger guys, I've gone against 300 pound guys and made them look like they were like 125 pound females, just because I know how to put them in positions where they're compromised and they can't use that strength. And I can use mine. And there's a certain way of of riding that lightning with other strong guys so that they put themselves in that own position where I'm not using my strength. I'm just kind of flowing. I'm a big wet water blanket or whatever, just letting you move. And then when I get you in that spot, then I clamp down. And when I clamp down, well, good luck, homeboy. You're in for a, a rough night. Yeah. And it seems like you're comfortable. Sh- it seems like, you know, they all, the, the, announcers say this all the time and sometimes you see it and sometimes you don't, but you definitely see it with you. This you love, you'd love standing up and punching, but your thread of your takedown is like for real. It's like that. No one's ever safe. Like you did. And, and you're so fast Thank you. and you don't have a wrestling background. Do you? No, I just did soccer and football. About it. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. It's I nuts. just, uh, go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering how you were able to cultivate that so quick. Like they would, you know, you would think, you know, they show the videos of all these great Russian, you know, guys, and they're, they're wrestling at three and four and five years old. And, and yet you're, you're, you were growing up meaning when you cultivated that skill. Yeah. Well, so 
I think it's uh, I think there's a couple parts to it. I think the first one is that if we look at a traditional wrestling background, the distance that they start from is very close. Usually they're shooting takedowns from, you know, hands on their head or they're touching each other already. MMA, if you look at the distance, we're shooting from three or four feet, two or three feet, two to five feet, I'll say, longer than a traditional wrestling shot. So if you try the the usual wrestling shot where you drop your knee on the ground and, you know, you try to drive your knees or whatever, you're probably going to get stuffed in an MMA fight. But if you adapt that, you learn the wrestling takedown, you learn all the things that make that work, and you adapt that with a football tackle where you're driving your legs, you're pushing, you're, you know, you're moving, whatever. I feel like that's kind of the best um, – the best one for MMA, it transfers over the most. And having that football background and having a student mindset of, of going deep into the wrestling and figuring out what parts of a wrestling, what parts of wrestling need to be implemented, what parts of a, a football tackle need to be implemented and all that. And then combining that with, like you said, I'm comfortable with my feet. Whenever you have somebody that can close that distance very fast, when you have somebody that can strike on the feet, when you have somebody that can take you down when they're punching or when you're punching, it just causes so many different questions. And all those different questions create little microseconds in those little transitions that we're doing between punching to kicking or kitching to pu- kicking to punching or punching to wrestling. All those little microseconds add up and they stack in my favor just because he's worried about so many different things. And by the time that happens, man, it doesn't matter if you're a D2 wrestler, a D1 All-American, or a fucking high school football player. If you get in on somebody's hips and you know how to drive, you're going to take them down, especially if you got good timing. The, the second you get taken down as, a, as an MMA fighter, what should you do? Get on your hip, push the head, start finding find to the fence, get your knee on the mat, and go. It's what, some guys, I feel like when they go down, they start dealing with be, being down. And some guys, and, and I'm naive, like I don't fight. And some guys, I feel like when they get taken down, they stand up. And I know that sounds like an oversimplification, but there are these guys that seem like that they're trained, that no matter what happens when they go down, the next thing they need to do is stand up. And I know you gave some steps to it, but then there's other guys who start dealing with being on the ground. Like, like and I, the guy who pops in my name, and it's kind of unfair to use him as an example, is like Izzy. The second he goes down, he's getting back up. Mm-hmm. Like he does, there's no, like, he's not fucking around down there. Yeah. There's no, and I feel like a lot of, uh, um, I feel like that that's always the best strategy. The second you go down to just like, like literally as you're falling down, start working on getting back up. Don't even try to fuck with the guy like at all. If you want to go down, take him down on your own, on your own terms. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think, uh, and you're starting to see that more and more. You know, I think as the game progresses, guys are not willing to accept that takedown, not willing to accept that position. Um, I think jujitsu guys, guys with that kind of background, are more willing to accept being on their back because they're just used to it more. They're used yeah. to triangles and arm bars and stuff. But now the game is in a spot, I think, where most people have at least a decent level of jujitsu to where when you start adding punches in that, if you accept being on your back, with somebody on top punching who understands jujitsu as well, it's not as advantageous as it was maybe seven years ago to just accept the takedown. So now guys like Izzy, especially strikers and stuff, you're seeing they have that more of a wrestling mindset where you're you're scrambling. As soon as your butt hits the mat, you're trying to get up. You're using your energy, whatever. But there's also a bit of a trade-off where, okay, how early is it in the fight? How much energy do I have? How much energy am I willing to expend on not accepting this takedown? Whereas if I accept the takedown, can I get up in a stepwise manner that maybe, you know, saves my arms a little bit for later in the fight? There's all those kind of little 
what would you call them? Little, little transactions, I guess, that go on in your head, little judgment decisions. And those are like finely tuned with how you train. So it's, I guess it kind of depends on, you know, what somebody's base is, what somebody's conditioning level is, how early it is in the fight, how late, whatever. Um, there's a lot of things that go into it. I think. Do you train that just getting right back up as soon as someone takes you down? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. It, I wonder if that's standard high school wrestling shit too. It's gotta be right. Because as soon as you hit the bat, I mean, as soon as you hit the mat, you're one, you're down two points and then two, somebody's trying to pin you. So I assume that, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. Um, you do do people are, are what is your um at, at five ten what is that in the hundred and seventy pound class is that is that average do you know what the average height is in that class it's pro I'd say five eleven I'd say is the average unless let, I'm five ten with socks on okay they didn't ask whenever the UFC <laughs> came, so I was like you know what I'll give myself a little liberty <laughs> but okay. no I'm definitely on a shorter side for the weight class that's interesting and what do you walk around at again AJ. I can get up to mid 190s, but generally I'm 87, 88. And what's the heaviest you've been in your whole life? When I was playing high school football, I got up to 207, 205 around there. It's it's crazy to think that Volkanovski was 240, huh? Yeah, it's fucking nuts. I and think now he, that, and now he's 145. I Go think ahead. he said 214 in the Australian oh. accent. I know because the 240 thing I like, kind of got ran with, and I think he addressed it in one of his interviews. Okay. I was like, oh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. But okay, the thick boy. That that reminds me of uh, one time uh, I, I I used to work for CrossFit Inc. and the owner said that the eco the CrossFit ecosystem was worth four billion dollars. And then Forbes magazine published it that CrossFit was worth four billion dollars. And then from then on, it just ran with it. Yeah, and was like, all right, fuck it, why correct it? Yeah, it, it, two for two fourteen is still nuts. He's tiny, right? I mean, he's probably like five five. Yeah, he's a forty five er dude. It's crazy. Wait, um, when you're on a dude and um, and you're submitting him, and he's tapping, do you stop or do you wait till the ref comes over? Ref, for sure. They're in there for a reason. If they're not in there, then I know I know what I'm trying to do, and it doesn't stop at at that. In training, yeah, hundred percent. I'll get you in a submission, and I I'll refrain from doing the last ten percent of a submission. I like getting people in arm bars, kimuras, whatever, and holding the position like where their their arm needs to. If it extends two more inches, it's gonna pop. But I don't do that. I just hold that position as long as I can. Yeah. But in a fight, bro, you're cranking that sucker. I don't until the ref comes and I feel his his hands on me or he steps in. It's, it's getting cranked on. So literally, it's funny because I, I was talking to um, Nikki Rodriguez about this, the guy from who trains in uh, f- with B Team. Do you know who that is? Mm-hmm, a jiu-jitsu guy. And I was like, hey, do you really w- do you really try to snap their arm and break their arm off? He said, yeah. I'm like, really? You don't just go and like know you're in a good position? He's like, no, you're just – you're trying to tear their arm off. And it, you can't even – what's crazy is that's so savage. But from the viewer's perspective, you can't even tell what's happened. You, can, you can't tell that that's – What's happening? That that's the motive, right? Well, I would just think that we would see more arms just like I've never seen. I mean, we saw what happened to um, Tony Ferguson's arm, right? We saw it bend backwards a little bit and and hyperextend, and then he didn't tap, and and the fight went on. But, But you would think that some of these positions you guys put the guys in that actually we would see it actually fold the other way. But you never see that. I've seen a... I think two in the past year, it was weird. There was a string of them like 
over a span of two months, there was like two or three arm breaks from arm bars that were just disgusting. Um, but in the UFC, you saw them. Yeah. I think one was, uh, was it Jacare? Maybe Jacare was one. And then there was one other guy, at least maybe two. Oh, um, that's right. Someone did it to Jacare. That's right. Yeah. He's a newer guy too. I think, uh, got him from an arm bar from the back. He, it was actually that same guy. I think, I think he did that to the guy before he fought. Uh, Man, I can't remember his name. Oh, Andre Muniz. Yes, that's the one. Did he win by armbar before Jacare too? Good job, Caleb. I have no idea, but I found the video. Yeah, this thing's gnarly. Damn. You gonna get us kicked off again, Caleb? Yeah, probably. I'll take it down. <laughs> unless you want, unless you want to go straight to the part where their arms breaking off. Um, so, so you can't tell your manager, Hey, it's been six months. It's been like two months. I want to get back in and they call someone over there. They do. But it, we, when we did a lot, it was just, you know, for, for December, I was trying to get on Dustin's card and it was a lot of, yeah, we're looking, we're looking, we're looking, we're trying, we're trying, we're looking. And then just kind of staying on my manager, like, Hey, make sure we're, you know, we're, we're keeping that little bug in their ear that we want to fight. So then it was January. We're looking, we're looking. Then it was, you know, I think, in late January, I found out that they had matched me for March, and I was like, all right, well, screw it. We're going to rock with March. Um, but I can kind of tell them to put that bug in their ear, but at some point, they're tired of that little bug being in their ear. So you don't want to do it too much, right? Right, right. Um, but definitely, you let them know that you're ready. I wonder what the math is on that. I think I heard there's like 550 dudes on the roster. You could you could probably do the math, and then and then if there's 20 dudes who fight, I don't know, or are there 20 matches every Saturday? Yeah, probably twenty Maybe matches. So there's twenty, probably around twelve to fifteen, I'd say. Okay, let's say twelve for uh, the sake of the math. So there's twelve dudes. So that's uh, twelve matches. So that's twenty four guys. And let's say that they fight forty weeks a year. What's twenty four times forty? I mean, eight eight hundred and something. Eight eighty is that? Let's say it's eight eighty. <laughs> so yeah, that is kind of every guy gets to fight twice. Yeah. Right. I'd hope you get a little bit more because then there's also injuries too. You got to think there's, yeah. you know, there's visa issues now and all that shit too. Um, and there's at the big, at the, the pay-per-view events, there's definitely more than 12 fights. It's just like on the fight nights, the the ones in the apex, it's usually yeah. from what I found 10 to 12 or so. Are you, have you had to fight out of the country since this thing, this whole um, pandemic thing, so-called pandemic thing happened? No, I have not. No. Have, have you gotten the medicine for it? Uh, I guess you can call it the medicine, but no, I didn't. You didn't get them. Yeah, right. Um, what are you going to do? I was just – I'm having Cody Durden on the show, and he's going to fight over in England, and he said he got it to – he got the medicine um, to uh, – because he's going over there and that he had to bite the bullet and do it for his family. Would you do that if they told you to fight overseas? Would you take the medicine? No, I would not. Yeah. Did you see um, Novak Djokovic? I saw – is there any recent developments with him? I saw that stuff, I guess, a couple of months ago. I mean, ba- I mean, basically, he's he's a, he's a Serbian. I think the I th- I think the Serbian president even said about five months ago he got on the air and he dressed his people and he said, "Hey, either I watch CNN every day, and it's so funny to see see the Serbian president say this. He goes, either they're batshit crazy or I'm batshit crazy, but one of us is batshit crazy." I'm going to go with their batshit crazy, and we're lifting everything. We're not doing that. There is no coronavirus in, in our country anymore. It's just the, it's the cold. 
And what's it? And yeah, right. And uh, and this guy, um, and this guy is uh, Novak is Serbian, right? Is he? He's Serbian, right, Caleb? He's Serbian. And what's crazy is you know he has twenty Grand Slam wins. I'm not even a huge tennis fan. And then Federer has twenty Grand had twenty Grand Slam wins, and Nadal had twenty Grand Slam wins. So you got these three guys tied for the three greatest tennis players of all time. And that sport is nuts. Yeah. I don't. I've watched a little bit of it. It's fucking nuts and to be that good and um and and they won't let him play in australia because he didn't get the injection it, i you like, think just make him sign a fucking waiver he's an adult i, know. <laughs> I well, will be responsible if i die from covid in your country it's it, I, it's one thing too if it's maybe <laughs> say it's rugby right you know you're rubbing up on each other and all that attack right each other. Right, tennis. You're, I mean, you're across the court. I know there's, you know, there's other different things or whatever, but I don't know. It it just seems like of all sports, the one to like draw that line on is tennis. You're like, come on, dude. How about these assholes in the NFL? To play, you have to be vaccinated, but they had those people in the stadium all kissing up on each other who who don't have to be vaccinated. It must suck to be a professional athlete when you don't have a um I don't care what any anyone says bad about Dana White although I've always liked him and and I met him once and he was nice as shit. But um the fact that he's standing up for the athletes or at least in in what's doing what's right in freedom. Yeah, no, I agree. That's dude. enough for me. I'm I'm with you on that. I'm glad we have a choice. I'm glad he, you know, he doesn't can anybody what they have to say. He doesn't can anybody with, you know, what they want to put in their bodies or anything like that. He's he's letting us do what we do. And uh, it's nice to see. It really is. Why the um? how did you get the nickname the ghost? Sorry if I've asked you this before. No, you're good. Uh, Pick before, up your ghost shirt today at AJFletcherMMA.com. <laughs> the fighting spirit never dies. Why? How did you get the ghost? Uh, Tim gave me that going into one of my amateur fights. He like posted a little something on Facebook and it was of me, you know, shirtless flex and all that telling people I had a fight coming up. And, uh, I guess because of my pastiness in that picture, he just put AJ the ghost and <clears throat> stuck ever since. So it's not that you're impossible to hit. It's that you're Definitely so not. damn white racist racist. <laughs> Did he get canceled for that? For calling you pasty white? Not yet. Not yet. Um, you cut down to 155 once. More than once. Good More than once. Tell me about the last time you did that. By the way, I want to thank uh, John Coe because I just go and watch your um, your videos of interviewing fighters and just steal all your shit. Thank you. And Joe Rogan. Thank you. I just steal your shit. Uh, tell me about that cut to 155. Yeah, dude. It was. Uh, I, I did it early on in my career. I did my first amateur fight at 170. And then from then on out, once I got a handle on the diet and had some – idea of how to cut weight i was like okay i can go down to 155 and back then you know i was 18 or 19 um early part of being 20 i was walking around at 165 to 67 um i think when i turned 21 that was just not happening anymore the lowest i could get my body through dieting through everything was about i'd say before i cut water and everything fight week was 178 ish and then it would just be, you know, over the course of two or three days, probably two days, cut from 178 down to 155. Man. Yeah, dude, it, it was just, you know, I could feel, you know, things going on in my body. I knew it was, I knew something was up when Dustin and another one of our veteran kind of fighters had, they were walking into the gym as soon as I got done cutting weight. And they like looked at me and they're like, you made it? And I was like, I made it. They were like, damn, dude, you're gangster. You're looking rough. I'm like, 
I was thinking that that was just, this was just normal, you know? And then, uh, but no, I, I just, I started getting a sense of the amount of damage I was doing to my body. And then the most frustrating thing was I wasn't taking the same product that I was training with out to the, out to fight night. I I was maybe 50%, 60%. I had a round and a half, a round of gas rather than three rounds of gas. My, my squeeze wasn't the same. My power wasn't the same. My, my chin even so there was a guy with a with an afro who he was shooting a single leg on me and he was running the takedown into the cage and it wasn't hard or nothing but he had his he had his head right here and with the afro there's even a little cushion too right so he he's pushing me into the cage and just racist racist right. no it's just the facts yeah. yeah right 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 but the facts uh, don't matter anymore aj thank you <laughs> i know huh? but he, he was a white guy with an afro <laughs> well, we're, well violent bob ross i don't know if you've seen him <laughs> right um, but he pushed me into, uh, into the cage and just from his head being right here when, you know, with the weight cut and all, it was enough to rock me. And I was like that after that fight, I was like, okay, enough of that. If, if I get beat because I'm smaller at a hundred percent, I would rather get beat like that than get beat at 155, being bigger and putting myself out there at 40, 50% of what I'm used to. What makes me, um, what may, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I see Bob Ross, the, the drawing guy. Yeah, well, go look up, uh, look up Luis Pena. There you go. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Poor, poor Luis Pena. He got in some trouble, right? Like hit his wife or something, and his shit got all unraveled. I think so. I Man, think so. that sucks. I, I mean, I feel bad for his wife, but I feel bad for him too. I feel sorry for any professional athletes or anyone who works so hard to get to the top of their game, and then some social shit goes sideways with them, whether There's it be no drugs way. or stealing or hitting their wife. It fucking sucks. It's like a scream for help. Is. I liked it. I liked him too. He was weird. He had his corks, that's for sure. Yeah. Did you know him? No, I didn't know him. I, I saw him on the Ultimate Fighter, but that's about it. He was on that season that he was on the Ultimate Fighter. It's a crazy list of dudes. It was like Izzy. I think uh, Alex Caceres was on it. Hey, does the Ultimate Fighter take dudes from the UFC and then put them in that house? They've only done it with James Krause, I believe. I could be wrong, though. Okay, I really like James Krause, too. Because I thought um, I thought Alex Caceres was in the house for season 27, but he was already in the UFC at that point. He might have been. You might be right. I could be wrong on that one. I'll ask him. So, so I had heard, I hear that when you lose too much weight, that that sack around your brain, whatever that thing is called. What's that thing called, Caleb? That sack with the goo in it. Caleb's a medic in the Air Force, so I just think he knows all the medical shit. Um, Pulled the anatomy for you. And um, I heard that that thing can get dry, and that you can and you don't take a punch so good. Did you feel? And, and then I and then I heard you talk about hearing your heart. And I fasted for five days a couple times, and both times when I would go to bed at night, it my heart didn't sound right. It sounded like someone's knocking on the door. Like it was like too it was like too loud. I was like, ah, that's not right. Mine wasn't. I couldn't hear it. It was just it hurt the day, like I'm fighting that day. My heart hurts. You know, I was turning yellow cause my kidneys, uh, my ears had something going on. My voice changed. Uh, there's just a lot of shit going on. And then regarding the brain thing, I was watching, I got curious one day. I was like, okay, I was thinking about, you know, why we get knocked out, but Rams and shit that have horns and just constantly like go at each other, why they don't get knocked out. And the reason is that before, whenever they're getting ready to go up against each other, 
they have something that clicks in their brain where it triggers more water, more fluid to go to that part that Caleb's showing us right now. Oh, it triggers that. So you have an extra layer of cushion. Well, ours probably has that at least in some ways, but when you drain all the water out of your body, that's the last part that gets filled up. So we're eliminating our ability to really take a shot. And I don't know that was a, that kind of solidified it in my head. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's like when I get around my wife after 10 o'clock at night, I have certain parts of my body getting gorged with fluid too. <laughs> it's your body just knows it's a, uh, wow. That's really true about the Rams and shit, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw this, um, I saw this, uh, helmet today. I don't know how I came across it, but it's a, it's a, it's a collar. You, it's an airbag for people who ride bicycles. So instead of wearing a helmet, it's a collar you put around your neck and then, and then if you crash on your bike, it inflates. Have you seen this thing? No. It's, have you seen that thing, Caleb? Yeah. I don't trust that thing looks, for a second. I don't yeah, trust yeah. that thing for a second. Can you show us on YouTube? Can you show AJ that thing? It's crazy. It's got. It's got to be some. Uh, those. It's something European for sure. Those guys in the north of Europe, man. Those engineers. They'll think of anything. They will think of anything. It sounds pretty sweet if it works, though. I guess. If it works, it. If it works, That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's not that. It, this thing, not that thing. This thing actually inflates. It covers your whole head. I think it does inflate. It's just activated at the moment. We find a video to, of it. You may have to go on YouTube and get us in trouble. Are you um? Are you doing crypto, AJ? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um. How do you have a, a crypto mentor? Uh, I've I watch a lot of videos from. I try to get different different perspectives uh the dude rao powell i guess his name is i try to find people that were in the traditional investing kind of sector i guess and then have since crossed over um but i i find some others too like depending on if i'm trying to look up the technicals of something or if i'm trying to just get an overview i'm in it but you know slow still learning what's the app you're using okay go ahead play this real quick play this real quick yeah this thing's crazy yeah 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 what In 0.1 seconds. Yeah. So basically they show this guy, you can fast forward this like to the end and it shows the guy. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. I want to see him take a spill. Yeah. keep. Oh, it's a little bit before then. I think it's a little bit. Yeah. Right there. Oh yeah. A little bit more. Okay. Here we go. And this guy's a stunt rider. They even tell you. Oh shit. All right. Eight times the protection as a uh, regular helmet. They claim. No shit. How does it sense when you're about to? There's some algorithm. They show the guy like programming it, and oh, uh, shit. and but but it costs three hundred bucks and it's one time use only. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> What's cool though is that it doesn't block your eyes, so that if it if it does actually go off on accident, at least you don't. Yeah, but then you get walking around like a marshmallow head for the rest of the day. Yeah, I I guess once it inflates, you could just wear it like that and use it. That's probably a fashion. If you bro, if you can make a visor and put a mask on that thing, you are safe from all of the world. Don't have to worry about nothing. You can crash and not get COVID. Have you had COVID? Probably. Okay. Fair. So, so, so w- w- whatever. If you had the sniffles, if you get the sniffles, you don't run out and get tested. I did, dude. I've noticed that it goes kind of like in waves. If we have like a bunch of people around this, like my family, or you know, there's a bunch of people from the gym, it's kind of. I don't know if they're sick or if it's COVID or whatever, or even like in Lafayette in general, I'm just like, Oh, okay. I'm sick. Probably could be, might be. 
let's chill for a little bit, a couple days, good to go. Yeah. I just, I just go. Yeah. I just go. Uh, um, the, you mentioned a guy, Justin Longoria. Am I saying his name right? Is he on Instagram? Uh, I think so. What's his handle? Longoria HTX or something like that. Longoria yeah. HTX. Okay. Will you will you look him? Because I heard I've heard you mention him a couple of times now, and I look him up and I can't find the guy. Let me see if I can. Let me make sure it's something like that. HTX. He's from so, Houston. Was that? And then, and then who do how how do you buy crypto? What app do you use? I was on Coinbase, but then the fees started eating my lunch. So I moved it over to crypto.com. And then I also have a Celsius account, depending on if I'm trying to, what coin I'm trying to stake. Um, because Celsius only has the Ethereum network from what I understand and Bitcoin and stuff too, but they don't have the, I'm into Polygon. I don't know if you heard of them. They're a layer no. two solution that's coming on up, but you can't. Anyway, I got, I got accounts. So I've got a MetaMask. I've got like four different wallets, depending on what coin I want to put where. Um, and when you go on crypto now, do you did you link it to your bank account? Is that how you did it? So that you don't on have to pay fees? On some of them I do, but not all of them. And why do you say it like that on some of them? You don't trust some of them? Well, I mean, if you look at the writing on the wall, the our government and I think Europe, from what I understand too, is starting to try to build a central bank digital currency. Um, I just think the writings on the wall for the infrastructure of them to fuck you just like they have our current monetary system. So yeah, I don't mind paying taxes on all of it and all that for the most part, but I do want some sort of layer of security in case what happened to the truckers or what happened. I just want, I want some option. And I think that's what the, the whole crypto thing offers is everybody was talking about being anonymous and stuff with crypto whenever it first started, but practically I don't think that, that offers itself to, you know, scaling very well. However, having the option it does of, or does not doesn't. I does think, not. Okay. I think if you want to have wide adoption, if you want to have big institutions getting into this, which we're already kind of seeing over the last year or two, you're going to have to have some KYC. You're going to have to have your bank account linked. You're going to have to have all this at least in the beginning stages. But you want the option of them not having complete control over that account. You want the option of being able, with the touch of a button, almost instantly to send it to some account that they can't touch. Right. And I think that that's a very good thing. They can monitor it. They can watch it, but they can never freeze it. So they can know where you're spending money. They can know what you're doing. If they follow the money from your KYC account to your non, uh, you know, credentialed account, but it makes it a lot more difficult. And it takes that, that button press away from them to, Oh, you're going, you're donating to these people. Boop. No money for you. You're going here. Boop. No money for you. You know what I'm saying? I think it just having the option of anonymity is a good thing. Um, what's KYC stand for? I'm not really sure, but it's when you have to put in your bank account details and your social and all that. Um, do you, do you, you know the story of what happened over in Cyprus? I don't know Cyprus, no. The country of Cyprus? I mean, I, I know what it is, but I don't know what happened. So, so basically what happened is, in, in a nutshell, and it, I, the spirit of what I'm going to tell you is true. I don't know if the exact details, but basically what happened was – Cyprus was in huge financial trouble, and they needed to get out of financial trouble. So they, the European Union bailed them out, and I think they used the IMF to do that, the International Monetary Fund, and maybe the World Bank. Some people came, and they bailed them out. The cost for bailing them out, the trade-off was, is that they shut down all banking in Cyprus for like – I forget how many hours, days, and they pulled money out of basically everyone's account. Mm. 
they made everyone and i think the way it worked is anyone who had over a hundred thousand euros had like a portion of their um uh yeah accounts taken out and they called it a levy tax they didn't tell anyone they just did it they flipped the switch froze all the accounts in the country and took the money and and one of the justifications for that was is that and one third of all the money in Cyprus banks was Russian oligarchs and was made illegally. And when you start saying stuff like that, like um, when people use the term wasted time or wasted money, they you know right away they don't know what they're talking about. It is impossible to waste time and it is impossible to waste money. The only way you could waste money would be to burn it. But if I buy a Bentley for $6 billion, that money still stays in the system. You may think it was a waste on my part, but you cannot waste money. I cannot waste money by buying those um, NFTs for 300000 Someone else uses it and then pays their gardener with it or buy – the money's always moving. So when you hear people say this, this dumb shit like they wasted $100 million on the California recall, no, they didn't. That made jobs. That, that money just stays in circuit. It's just idiot thick. And so basically what happened is – and same with the oligarchs and the illegal stuff like based on what – it's all just propaganda, emotional propaganda in my part, in, in my thought. So – so soon as they did that in Cyprus and they shut down the banks, they um, basically Bitcoin skyrocketed. And that's when those two brothers, the Winklevoss brothers, are you familiar with them? The yeah. twins, the Winklevoss twins, they owned 1% of all Bitcoin currency at that time. And Bitcoin skyrocketed because people like you and people like me were like, yo, wait a minute. If that shit happened in Cyprus and you got those civilized Europeans doing that shit. These fucking barbarians in the U.S. will for sure do that shit. Argentina, in some ways too. I mean, I, Did I they, okay, tell me what happened there. No, I'm not. I'm not what happened there? There's a dude, uh, Michael Saylor, who's a he's the owner of MicroStrategy. Yeah. I'm trying it. to get him on uh, my podcast. Yeah, tell me about him. What's he? What happened? He's yeah. just he's one of the guys that I've like, you know, delve into crypto and and kind of you know learn from a little bit. But he had, he was saying he had a bunch of money stored in Argentinian banks, right? Well, I forgot what exactly happened, but basically. Argentina, their government did something where I don't know if they switched. They did something with their currency where they de- where they devalued it by basically ten to one. So he had like a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars or whatever. He had a tenth of it left. I forgot uh-huh. what exactly they said he, they did to the currency. I, I would screw the technicals up, but something similar to what you're saying, where with the flip of a switch, you know that money just or that value just essentially Dang. disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and he's a big crypto guy, right? Dude, his whole company. I mean, if you listen to what he's talked about, like the converting micro strategy, his company into it's it's ba- it seems like a Bitcoin holding company now, essentially. And so I had I I was wondering what was going on. You, this is the first time I've heard it said the way you just said it. You basically said that that you believe that the international monetary fund or the world bank is, is, is building a competitor to, um, to cryptocurrency. Oh, it's yeah. They're hundred percent already. I don't know if it's them or if it's, it's nations doing it, you know, on their own, or if they're trying to make one, I think it's more nations trying to do it. And I don't even look, I don't even think it's necessarily a bad thing that they do it. Having something that's, that that I that you that you use that I use that we know is backed by some third party, even if we know that that third party isn't necessarily you know holistic in their in their means the whole way. I mean by, by holistic, you mean benevolent? You mean kind? Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, okay. Having something like that where we all agree, like it's a it's a you know a form of exchange. I don't think is a terrible thing, but in the same breath, 
you also need some, you, you need a safekeeping in case something like in Cyprus happens, something like in Argentina, something like in Canada, something in case these measures of government get tainted and, you know, bad people get in positions or, or there's some reason that you would need it to be not connected to that, that mainframe, if you will. I think that that option is good too. Um, it, they're definitely, I forgot, I don't know how far they are along with it, but they're definitely, they're definitely working on this. Do you play video games? I do. Yeah. Not as much as I used to. I, I heard this thing talking the other day about how, you know, Facebook is building this, this whole metaverse thing. And then, then, and, and this, this kid on YouTube was saying that Facebook's fucked. They'll never win that game because the metaverse is already here and it's been here a long time and it's, it's video games. And those video games are provided by Xbox and we all go in there and shoot people and do all this shit. And that's the metaverse already exists and it's just going to expand through, through Xbox and Microsoft basically is going to be the master of the metaverse. But I started thinking yesterday, I haven't shared this with anyone yet. There's going to be no pussy in the metaverse. I don't know any cool chicks who play video games. Till you get the haptic suit, right? Till you get the suit that they're already developing. That you <laughs> so you're going to be suit. fucking me in the metaverse? I hope not, bro. <laughs> I, there's going to be no girls in the – do you know a single cool girl who plays video games? Look, okay. One, they, just they, tell me one. Don't they, avoid not, the question, not AJ. Xbox, not Xbox, VR, virtual reality. That's I'm, where the leap is. That's but I don't care. Is. Even if I'm fucking someone in virtual reality, I want it on the other end of the joystick for there to be a vagina. Well, maybe they'll tell you that maybe it's AI, right? Maybe they all seem like it and then you're all good to go as long as you get the, you know, the semen like you're it. Not, you're, not, <laughs> <laughs> you're not making me happy. If, if I... If I got, I need to get some more. I need to get some woke people on the show so I can find get the answer to some of these questions. If if um, do you want to be the giver or the receiver, AJ, in my story? <laughs> you want to be the what? <laughs> he hung up. He's like, "Fuck this conversation. I'm out of here." <laughs> I just like if you fuck someone in the metaverse and it's another dude on the other end, even though he's a virtual chick, are you gay? That's what I want to know. Or is that not even sex? And I've just left the whole the whole world of logical thought. I don't think anybody's considered that yet. Oh my goodness, I I I I, I think probably masturbation is pretty gay. It's 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 clearly some dude on dude shit. At least when I do it. <laughs> Unless you use your opposite <laughs> hand, and then it's not <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We lost AJ. He's like, I'm not doing this. Look at he, you can even see he leaned forward and hung up and I'm out. Yeah. Uh, he, he, that dude knows a lot about crypto. He seems like it. Yeah. I want to, I want to keep picking his brain on that. I just swerved off into the meta sex universe. Darn it. More important things to talk about. <sighs> hey, are you watching the fights today? Uh, yeah, I probably will after this. Did you, uh, are you, have you been watching the Rogue Invitational at all? Rogue what? The Rogue Invitational? Or what are you the, talking about? The Arnold Strongman? No, 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 oh, no, no. Is, is, oh, okay. Are there CrossFitters there? Uh, no, it's just like say Strongman, but a guy like dislocated his knee on the log lift. I don't know if I can show it, but like one of the heavy hitters on the <clears throat> Strongman event. Yeah, he, show it. Fuck it. Let's deal with right. it. Let's deal with it. Boy, like this shit. Let's see it. Somebody posted a comment about it, and I went and, went and found it. Is this it? 
Yep, this is it. Brace, brace yourself, people. Brace yourself. It's really hey, it's not- the sunglasses. No one should be working out with sunglasses on unless you're rich froning. Oh, my God. That thing looks heavy. How, that thing's 420 pounds? 420, yep. Oh! I don't oh. even think him falling back was what injured him, but I think when he no. fell back, his knee went underneath the log and it popped it out. Hey, something happens even before. Like, there's a there's a, a jerk. Do you see? Like, Wally has. Is that what you're saying? Like, see if you can pause it. Like something crap. Something like he wobbles. Like right, right as he squats, something pops. A little more there. And then this right here, when uh, you can barely see it, but his this is his knee underneath the log. Oh, 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 but he holds the right knee. Oh, yeah. Like, let's see what happens. Boom. Let's see if, uh, what, what? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I oh. think his right knee got caught underneath it and it just got stuck and twisted. So is he out for the day? Yeah, they they oh. took a they took a massive pause, and everybody's like, "Oh, what happened to the live stream?" <laughs> oh. So he'll be back in like twenty minutes or something. Femur, femur. I bet you. Look at look at Chris. You know Chris was watching that live. Look, he's got like the look at his tank top and his <laughs> his, his forehead and that nose. That dude lifts heavy shit. Look at that. That dude watched it live. Femur. Yeah, exactly. Femur. Yeah, this guy's got the one that commented earlier. Jeff Carone at the Arnold just got crushed by a log. I, yeah, yeah, but uh, something popped and then and then yeah. Hey, I I I think that probably AJ's uh oh, I think probably his oh yeah here he is. Uh, internet just shorted out. Should be back in a second, Roger. We are making fun of you while. You're gone. Dude, that guy's such a badass. I was watching him. He is such a badass. He like, threw like a flying knee at a guy and knocked him out. Like Dude. what? Dude. <laughs> that that we're 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 fortunate that we're talking to him now because someday that dude's gonna be too big to talk to us. That's a future world champion. That dude's such a savage. And so smart fast. and a good dude, so fast. So fast, and usually those twitchy, those fast twitchy guys don't have endurance. This guy can go. No, yeah, it, I, I was looking at his uh, sure dog, and it was he had like some some long fights in there. Like he's he's gone a couple rounds. Yeah, he he is a savage, and he's so young and new to the sport. Um, guys, t- uh, tonight at oh, that's Eastern time. Are you? Gonna, did you say you are going to watch the fights tonight? Yeah, probably. It's it's not cheap. No, it's not. Usually, uh, I have a buddy that helps. <laughs> yeah, it's not cheap. Um, uh, a, a guest we've had on the show before also is fighting. He's fighting in the uh, early prelim um, card. It's Devonte Smith. He's in the third fight of the night. I highly recommend watching that. Unfortunately, he lost his last one. Um, and then there's another good fight in the early prelims. Uh, Tim Elliott, another great fighter, maybe one of the lo- guys longest who's ever been around at UFC. These fights start at 1 p.m. By the way, um, these fights I was going to say are free, but they're not free. You have to have ESPN or ESPN Plus. Um, but once you have that, and then uh, the last, the main fight on the early prelims is a man. It's an old timer, Brian Kelleher. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that should be a good fight. And look who he's fighting. 
He's fighting a guy named Umar Nurmagomedov. Is that guy related to Khabib? I don't know. I'm going to see if I feel I can... like there are a lot of Nurmagomedovs that are just out there that have no association. Let me see. Umar Nurmagomedov. I mean, he's 13 and 0. Uh, uh, who is. Is he related to Khabib? No. Okay. They're no, he's not. They're cousins. Yeah, this guy's a savage. Poor Brian Keller. He's going to get just mash oled I hope I'm wrong. Uh, and then on the... Pre- bites. Yeah, he's been around forever. He's yeah. the, That guy's... I, I, th- I, I could be wrong, but I think he might be friends with um, Tyson Oldroyd. I used to work with Tyson over at CrossFit. Oh, yeah. He's the senior producer over there. Yeah. And then I don't see anyone on the prelims. Oh, Jamie Malarkey is, is worth watching for sure. For sure. Um, and then let's go over to the main card. Kevin Holland uh, is fighting tonight. Yeah. It's, I think it's his first time at 171. He, I, I like Alex Oliveira. He's going to retire Alex Oliveira tonight. <laughs> Alex Oliveira is in. Or he'll big. just talk a bunch of shit the entire time. Oh man, yeah. but Alex is so bad is, is he's at the end of his career and, and he, Alex seems like he could almost fight 155 and then, and then, and then, uh, Greg Hardy's fighting. I've, uh, I've been creeping in Greg Hardy's, uh, DMS for quite a bit, uh, hoping that, uh, he would come on the show. He's a former NFL player. I really like him. Um, I think he's got a little bit of a bad rap. I tried to get Bryce Mitchell on the show. Bryce Mitchell is the Colton Mertens of the UFC. If you don't know who Bryce Mitchell is, you should look him up. He's basically a dude who, um, just, he, he's a farmer. He's an aspiring farmer and, uh, he's, he's like a beginner version of Colton Mertens and, uh, and, and he fights to make money to support his farm. It's dope. He's dope. Never. He never responds to my DMS either. Uh, <laughs> Raphael, the pigs. right. <laughs> At least Colton, Colton responds. Uh, and then uh, Rafael Dos Anjos in the co-main event, they had to uh, find a new fighter for him. The guy he was fighting dropped out due to injury. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos is one of the greatest fighters of all time. What's a trip is, is that he's getting older, and this is kind of his last run at trying to win a title. His words, not mine. And I think he's fighting at 155 now. Yep, he went up to 171 for a minute. He's 37 years old. So this is a must win for him. And then the main event, we have Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. Um, I was even a little bit overwhelmed and got exhausted by the antics between these two. It's, it was it was a little much. Even you know, yeah. do they can do what they need to do, but um, both super talented fighters with incredible gas tanks. Um, if you have time before one o'clock, before the early prelim start, I recommend um, going back and looking at Jorge's early fights when he used to fight on the street. They're on YouTube, and you can see him doing a ton of backyard fighting. And it is nuts. I love watching those. It's just, it's just a free for all. It's, it's crazy. And there's like, I don't think I would never want to put myself in that situation where you're like, you know what? I'm gonna have a hundred guys standing as a ring around me, and then people are just gonna fight. Like you're gonna fight another guy. It's like imagine and, somebody from the crowd just shoving you around to like put you back in the <laughs> like. Fuck. Yeah, and I think dudes there, like, I mean. You've been to those places where there, you've been to fights like in high school or like you go to a professional fight even. And then after the fight and during the fight, there's just dudes who want to fight because they see other dudes fighting. Exactly. It's it's in so stressful. Room, like, I don't like that shit. 
What'd you say? It's like it's like in a locker room. Like it's the same shit. Like if you find two guys who are just going at it during PE, and they're like, you just find them in the locker room, and then two guys are fighting, and then their friends and their friends are fighting, and then it's yes. just like a fucking massacre. Yes, I I, w- I was I actually um one of my friends fought another guy one time in a parking lot of a supermarket late at night, and there were probably like fifty of the, those guys and like twenty of us, and it was so sketchy. Dude, it's like a hockey fight, but with twice as many people. Yeah, and 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 no and no safety. No, there's no, um, no way. Yeah, it's it's bad. All right. Um, I think maybe I'll just tell AJ. We'll talk to him after the fight. Oh, here he is. He responded. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk again after the fight. We are going to wrap wrap it up you're the best thank you uh tomorrow we have two two ufc fighters on we have cody durden on and we have alex caceres and the reason i want to have uh alex caceres on is because he is he's won five in a row He's been around the UFC a long time. He may be the longest fighter in the UFC under contract. I tried to look that stat up and I couldn't find it because they haven't, I couldn't find a page where they've updated it since 2021. Let's see what Caleb can do while I run my mouth here. Alex Caceres, um, he's won five in a row and he's towards the end of his career. I mean, theoretically, you could say, I think he's like 19 and 12. And uh, now he's won five in a row and he's going to fight a dude tomorrow who is uh, a extremely worthy opponent opponent alex is ranked number 15 and this will probably push him up and it's fun to see guys late in their career make runs like this and you don't see it very often but we are going to see it we are seeing it also in um, jorge masvidal who's also a late in his career with a lot of losses and making an incredible run then we have cody durden on at 11 a.m Cody Durden beat a guy um, from China, a fighter from China, uh, a couple months ago, and he and the post-fight interview, he said, "I sent that guy packing back to China." And there was a whole series of UFC fighters who came on and said he was racist for saying that. And that's why I want to have Cody on to explain to him that those people outed themselves as racist because saying you're going to pack someone to go back to China is so far from fucking racist. And if you do think it's racist, it exposes the fact that you're racist. And, I, and and if, if you haven't if you followed my show long enough, I've explained that to people a thousand times the mechanism in the brain and how it works. If I'm walking down the street and there's a guy walking towards me and and I cross the street and he says I crossed the street because of I was afraid of him because he's Chinese, um, then that guy is racist, not me because he made that shit up in his head. And why did he make that shit up in his head? Because that's how he sees the world. Not me, him. And so if you say to someone, I, pa- I, I, beat, I, I beat Caleb's ass and send him packing back to Israel. I beat Sevon's ass and send him packing back to Armenia. I beat Mickey Mouse's ass and send him packing back to Anaheim, California. These aren't racist comments. It's not racist that Trump called um, uh, Obama uh, uh, a Muslim or Kenyan. It's not racist that Trump said that Mexico is sending over its worst people. And if you see that as racist, it's because you're racist. You're making that leap. You're bringing what you see Mexicans as or what people from Kenya as, and you're putting your spin on it because you, my friend, are racist. And it's crazy how many UFC fighters outed themselves as racist by attacking Cody for saying that. There's nothing racist at all. I sent your ass back. And here's the irony. This is what I think is so funny. Cody's next fight is in London. 
and it's against a Russian, a Russian who also called Cody racist for saying that. And the <laughs> fucking irony that they're going to fight in two weeks in fucking London, and this guy's a Russian. It, it, it's it's fascinating to me. So so and and, and all the people who um, interview Cody are like, "Do you want to take back what you said?" No. If Cody would have take back what he said, he'd be acknowledging that what he said was wrong. There's nothing wrong. You could argue that it was disrespectful all day long, but to argue that it's racist means that you're racist. Unless Cody wants to come out and tell us he's racist. But if he's racist, and the best you can do is I sent your ass packing back to Australia. I sent your ass packing back to Iceland. Let's say me and Annie Thor's daughter got in a fight and she said, I sent your ass packing and she beats me up. And she says, I sent your ass packing back to America or Armenia. You think that's racist? You're a fucking racist moron is what you are for thinking that. And you're the problem with the world. Yeah, right, right, right. I sent your Jew ass packing back to Israel. Now I'm racist because we're sensitive about Jews. I sent your ass packing back to Africa. Oh, now we're now it's racist because we're sensitive about black people. All you're doing is, is acknowledging that you hate Jews or you hate black people if you think that or you think that they're less. Is that what you think? I'm sorry. Do you think black people are less and so they deserve coddling? You think Jews are less? They deserve coddling? Tards. Anyway, Cody's a good dude, and he didn't back down from his statement, and I'm happy to have him on. So I didn't find anything about him being the longest tenured, but I think – but there's a video here, and it's a, he says that he will be in the next one or two years, and that was last February. Okay. So I'm guessing by now he's probably the longest tenured UFC fighter as of probably this year or coming. A fascinating guy too. He he says he fights one hundred percent conscious that there is no instinct that he chooses everything that he's like. It's it's interesting his definition of presence. He's he's a he's a I think he's a vegan or a vegetarian at least in the yoga. Last time we had him on the show during the show he rolled a blunt on a paper plate like like we're like I'm like hey Alex and he's got a paper plate with a ton of weed on it. And he's like, maybe I should do that this show. I don't even smoke weed, but I got a ton of weed around here somewhere. Maybe I'll, I'll have to go that. back and clip that again. I think I yeah. lost it somewhere. Um, all right, Caleb. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I'll be texting you. Tonight. You are going to watch the fights tonight? Yes. Okay, I'll text you and shit while we're watching. We can watch it together Aww. with our social distanced. <laughs> guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. with uh, Alex Caceres. And then I think at 10 or 11 with... Uh, Durden, do we, do we have a show tomorrow night too? Do we have three shows tomorrow? No, no I think the uh, the third one we have is Monday night for the open recap. Okay, yep. And then and then Monday we have uh, Chris Montanillo at seven a.m. Uh, UFC fighter, and then uh, oh, where's Dylan Vowell today? He's usually here for all the UFC fighters. And then and then uh, and then Monday night, we, you're right. We have the show with uh, Angelo DeChico and Brian Friend. You know what's funny is um, I'll finish on this. A lot of people keep sending me this video of of Catherine's uh, daughter um, uh, jumping over the bar during the semifinals, and they think that um, that I'm gonna like that, and they think that that's cheating, and they think I'm gonna like that because of just all the the, the fun shit that I talk about Catherine's daughter. I don't think she cheated at all. I think let I want to explain. Go go ahead. Where you say Caleb? Go ahead. No, no. I just I the whole thing is just totally <laughs> fucked. Like I did it today too, and like if you look at the standard. Like if you look at like the written standard, obviously Brian's going to talk about this, but it's just the whole thing was absurd. So you can kind of take it however you want, really. Yeah. If so, I, I if you walk, one of your feet is always on the ground. 
if you're walking. That's kind of let's let for for the sake of this, I'm going to say that's the definitive one of the definitive qualities of walking is that one of your feet is always touching the ground. There's not a single person who walks on the planet where both their feet are off the ground at the same time. I'm going to say that's a definitive characteristic of walking. I want to say a definitive characteristic of jumping is that any one time both your feet are off the ground. And what I see Catcher and Daughter doing, I'm even going to say her name right for this. That was an accident. I accidentally said it right. Um, uh, when she jumps over the bar, but both her feet are off the ground at the same time. That's legit as shit. What she is doing is fucking legit. I don't. I think I have kudos to her, dude. Being a champion, Travis Bajan told me this. Being an arm wrestling world champion is not just about beating your opponent; it's about beating the referee. Brian talked like, about it too. Like who did? Not, who did? Brian talked about it in the past. Like it's not about you completing the reps; it's about you completing the reps in judgment or for your judge, basically, like to satisfy your judge. You're not doing it to satisfy the crowd. Right. Like if your judge says well those said. are good reps, they're good reps. Like you're you're doing it. I mean, it it's a it's a game within the game, essentially. It, yeah. How about AJ Fletcher said when I asked him, I said, the, "You got the guy's arm like this, and he's tapping. Do you tap?" He goes, "Not till the ref says so." Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you hear it in football too. Like you play to the whistle. You're like, if you don't hear a whistle, yeah. well, you're gonna and same in. I mean, any sport really, you're gonna play until the whistle's blown. And if it's not blown, and you just scored, tough shit on everybody else. You yeah, took advantage of the situation. Wasn't it like what was that game? Um, uh, when when I was a kid, there was a game UC Berkeley and Stanford, and the band came on the field, and the guy still fucking ran the touchdown back. No yep. one blew the whistle. Yeah, he blasted some drummer somewhere. Hey, I think this was our worst live show ever. Did not do great. <laughs> this is this reminds me what the fuck's going on with you guys people don't want to show up on a saturday let me on, see what the fuck is going on here yeah people only watch the show they're at work <laughs> me <laughs> right i want to check the numbers really quick oh my goodness and he's such a good dude and he's going to be a champion someday it's you good we ass- have him on now <laughs> you assholes i don't even see it is it unlisted? I don't even see it. What's going on? Uh-oh. Am I on the wrong? Did I do something wrong? How are these people here? If Bruce Wayne found it. Bruce, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting for Colby, I think, Bruce. I like both of them. What, um, I, the video from Katrin's workout, I think it's from like a couple years ago or something. Do you see it? I don't see this show. Dylan. Oh, buddy, you don't got to do that. But I was wondering where you were at. I know you love the fighter shows. I got three fighters in a row, Dylan. What what's going on here? What what the what is going on here? I see it if I go to the channel. I, I'm on the channel and I don't see it. Well, I'm, I in guess the, I'm in the studio. Oh, what do you know? Do you see it? Yo! <laughs> Goodness gracious. You motherfucker, we're getting off. <laughs> wow, damn. Oh my hey. goodness. What happened? You had to call and pay and pay your uh your internet bill with crypto? Oh, he froze again. Oh come on. <laughs> oh geez, Louise. I really don't see it. That's so weird. 
You do see it though. Hey, will someone in the comments write how you found the show today? It's uh Jeff says you on. I think that's I think that's slang for you're on. I found this randomly checking subs. I normally click reminder for all your shows. All right. Corradino. Oh, look at look at he's on two channels now. Oh my goodness. What do you think? And oh look, there's two of you. Do you see both of you? I see the little square. I'm kicking one of you off. Let me see. Kick him out. Oh. Oh shoot. Sorry. <laughs> he kicked it. Oh shit, man. Sorry about that. It's okay. This show's this show's so great. It, w- w- this show this show's this show is ice cream, but with you, it's a cherry on top. Boom. Um, can we go over the? Let's wrap up with something fun. Uh, and, and next time after after your fight, I'd love to have you back on, and we just dig into crypto. Sure. Hey, what book before we switch subjects to who's fighting tonight? Um, since you're a fight fan, I'd love to pick your brain on that. What um what books should people read before the next time you come on to learn about crypto? To learn about crypto? Yeah. Uh, uh dude, to be honest, I haven't delved. It's on my list. I don't have the I would say if you want to look if you want to look at a book for the case for crypto, yeah. look at what's it called? It's by Ray Dalio. He's another guy who is a financial sector guy. Okay. And then since kind of converted. Um, what do you mean converted to like being like a, a huge proponent of crypto or against it? No, a huge proponent. Just kind of saying, and he looks at it from a lot different perspective. This book is basically, he goes back and he looks at all the different empires and what caused in their monetary system. And a lot of factors that um, he diagnosed that were patterns that helped them rise. And that's it. Uh, principles for dealing with the changing world order. Principles is really good too, from what I've heard. Ray but, Dalio. Is he still alive? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He I only is. like to read books of dudes who are still alive because um, that way, if I read their book, I can still, I can get them on my podcast. Yeah. No, dude, he, that one is, uh, if you want to see a, just the pattern of civilization. Homie didn't pay his, his internet bill. Damn. Hey, that's a cool dude that he came back on, even after I sent him a text saying we're done with you. There we are. What is going on, dude? AJ, what state are you in? Louisiana. I moved out to the country last month, so huh? that might have a little something to do with it. Well, in California, we don't even really believe you guys have internet out in Louisiana. So, dude, we put some antennas on some alligators and just hope that they're the way they move, <laughs> they get the coverage. That's about it. Hey, how often do you see an alligator? Dude, I'm like a quarter mile away from the trail that has a fuck ton of them. So pretty, pretty regularly. Do you see one a month? Depend. If I'm going looking for them, I could. Yeah. But I mean, like, let's say you're just driving to the gym. Do you see one? No. Well, there could be. I mean, not right now because it's cold. But when it starts warming up, there, there's been some that the guy says will come around the house a little bit. So you're never surprised when you see one. Well, I wouldn't say that, bro. I was a city boy until I moved out here. And then as like the whole la- events of the last two years kind of just have shifted me from that to where I want to be, you know, a little bit further away. Are you, are you going to buy a house as you get more and more loot and success? Are you going to buy a house, chickens, uh, solar uh, generators, the whole? I want I want land for sure. I want animals. And then I'm starting to one of the things I'm trying to develop is figuring out how to grow my own food. And yeah, we're building towards that for sure homesteading pretty much do you have a chick aj uh yeah 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 yeah. 
Wow. So when you say we, we, you and her. Yeah. I mean, like she's, she's definitely uh, down with that vibe. You know, she, uh, yeah, maybe so. Who knows? I don't know where, you know, things will lead, but I'm open to it. Did, it did, how long have you been with her? I think about nine months now. Eight months. Oh, okay. 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 No reason to rush. Don't get crazy. Sevon asking if it's with her. Don't get crazy. Um, uh, do you live close to your parents? Uh, about an hour, hour 30. You're going to need them if you have kids. I could imagine. That's the only advice I give. Stay, especially if you got good parents like I do. Stay close to your parents because they'll help with the kid. They they'll do so much kid shit for you. Oh yeah, my brothers are getting kids right about now, and they're they're going into the grandparent role very nicely. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it, it sort of becomes the only people you can really trust your kids with. I was just telling someone today, like I not, not I don't have I don't live in any fear. I live from a place of love, just loving people regardless of whatever nonsense they believe, but. My job is to protect my kids. I don't take my kids to jujitsu and drop them off and leave. They're five, five and seven. I don't take my kids to tennis. And my my I don't my kids at night like like if we have guests staying in the house, my kids sleep in my room. It has nothing to say about the guests. My job is to fucking protect my kids at all costs. Anything stupid happening to them, someone some some someone gets a fucking drunk at night and like anything that bad happens to your kids well they're your kids is your fucking fault as a parent take fucking responsibility guard your fucking kids yeah man Let a fucking seen, alligator eat them what say that again past, over the past week we've seen you know the whole cane velasquez thing too and that yeah. probably drives that home you know pretty good for for fathers out there hey that that dude fucked with his daughter supposedly numerous 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 times okay because i just saw the headline cain velasquez's relative gets molested 100 times or something and then recently i'm hearing through the grapevine that it's um it was his daughter yeah that's what it looks like man listen people god i really don't want to say this publicly if if this is the kind of thing that some everybody says they would do but if you if you do something to someone's kid that's even like like not even in the sexual realm. I'm not talking about molest someone's kids. Let's say you for example um your kid let's say let's say for example you send your 12-year-old kid to school and someone thinks that, that they need an injection there and they give your kid an injection without telling you. Anything that happens to you after that I accept this human nature. There's things that you should know. It, I'll I'll take full blame for this. There's nothing a man should do sexually that should surprise you. Men are just like, just nothing should surprise you. Like, it, it, it's just the penis is just it made it made Facebook. That's why Mark Zuckerberg made Facebook. I mean, we know that he made Facebook to get girls. He's been a million times, but it should also not surprise you if you do anything to harm someone's kids in the slightest. I mean, give them a fucking Twinkie. You give someone's kid a Twinkie and they come to your house and beat the living fuck out of you. I'm not surprised and I'm not against it. Don't fuck with anyone's kids. No. That's the line. You see, a eighth, you see three eight, eighth grade year old girls walking down the street and they're cute and you're a fucking man who's over 18. Don't look at them. Look the other way. Take your fucking fist and punch yourself in the dick as hard as you can if you have to. Do not fuck with anyone's kids. You fucking idiots. I don't – I. I, I'm not for vigilante violence, but if you fuck with someone's daughter or son, you're. Yeah, I put you, yeah, you like I don't care at that point, and I mean even dumb little shit. Just leave other people's kids alone. 
at all costs. It's nuts. Nope. You're fucking nuts. No winners in that shit, dude. No, it's nuts. That's what we're here for. I, I, I was in Africa out in the middle of fucking nowhere, nowhere. And I was with these five fuck speaking to kids. I was with these five kids ages like three to like 13 and I'm out there filming with them. And it's, it's like poor, poor, beyond poor, like, like no running water, no electricity, no objects, no nothing. You know what I mean? They're like in loincloths and shit, like Tarzan shit. And we're out there and I see this big pile of fucking trees and, th- and they speak the Queen's English there. It was in Kenya. And I said, hey, what happened here? And they said a lady in the village came across a mama elephant and a baby elephant. The mama elephant grabbed the lady with her trunk, beat her to death on the ground. And then even after she was dead, buried her with trees to, to make sure that the lady – that's what you should expect from someone's parent if you fuck with their kids. Yeah. Like I'm like – it's a little overkill, but I feel you. Bro, I don't – look, I don't even have I – I just got a little little dog that came actually on that trail, and I'm kind of taking care of her a little bit until I can, you know, give her hand her off to my girlfriend, but – uh, I cannot imagine the urge that would come or the rage that would come when you find out something like that happened. Like that movie, Law Abiding Citizen. You ever you seen that? No. Who's in it? Uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's the that's that's the kind of shit I feel like a lot of people would would be on. And uh, I'm just saying, if I don't know the urge, I, I just imagine when I get to that point, when I you know when I have children of my own and stuff that. Um, yeah, I'd probably find a nice spot in the woods for you. Probably find some chains, probably find some saws and make it just maybe just my bare hands, you know, make it just as miserable as possible. And I don't I don't fault anybody for for going into that mindset. You know, it's unfortunate with Kane and how a lot of these things turn out in that, you know, obviously the child is harmed. The 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 father who who gets the revenge, you know, goes to jail and then they're I think he's going to get off. I think he's going to get off. I hope so, dude. I hope so. I think he's going to get off. I, I've heard stories of like women running over their boyfriends for catching their boyfriend cheating on them, and they call it a crime of – isn't there a word for that, Caleb? Crime of passion. passion. Or crime yeah, passion. yeah, yeah. Crime of passion. Isn't there like something like that, or have I watched too much TV? <laughs> the problem, though, is he got – the guy The guy that did it and the father were in the car – that guy's father were in the car together. The guy that Kane ended up shooting was the guy's father. The guy that did it, supposedly. Oh, right, right. Unsafe. Crazy. Collateral damage. Man. Oh, oh shit. Oh, shit. Um, okay, let's pull up the UFC fights. AJ, why are you talking about all this scary shit? Come on, man. Bro, this is what goes on. Look, I fight. I do this all the time. But in, <laughs> I'm putting myself through school. And sometimes, like, the topics that I, like, just get in my head are just and I'm blaming you. I love the topic. I love telling the world, don't fuck with people's kids, especially now because there's so many people fucking with people's kids. It's like you can't send your kids to school anymore. That's actually a prerequisite for getting into government. I don't know if you knew that. To fuck with people's kids? I believe it. I think so. I think yes. So. Yes. <laughs> you like that, Caleb? That is good, right? He's good. AJ is a good shit. dude. Good shit. Okay. Um, let's look at this guy who um, – let's look at the Tim Elliott fight real quick. Is that is it Tim Elliott? Who's, oh, no, no, it's Brian Kelleher. Do you know Brian Kelleher? I do not, no. He's been around forever, though, I think. I think he's up there. He, he's he's like one of the longest tenured guys, I think, in the UFC. True, the odds on that. And look who they're – oh, yeah, what do those odds even mean? Do you know what those mean? 
Yeah, he's got a bet. If you want to bet on Nurmagomedov, you got to bet a hundred dollars and win eight hundred. If you want to bet on Kelleher, you went. You bet a hundred, you win five fifty. Oh, no wait. So no, no. If you bet a hundred on Nurmagomedov, you only win eight. No, you would have to bet eight hundred to win a hundred. Oh, okay. And with Kelleher, if you bet a hundred, you win five fifty. Right. And that's that's Khabib's um, cousin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. So that's bad. Probably got that ground game. I haven't seen him too much. I've seen more of Islam, but I would imagine that you know, you got the Nurmagomedov name. You know how to smash, smash. Okay, and then how about scroll up and let's look at Tim Elliott, another guy. I think Tim Elliott might fight under James Krause, right? I think he does now. Yeah, and uh, and and he's fighting an Ov guy too, a Kov guy, a Russian. Yeah. Are the I Russians mean, scary? I mean, they're they definitely come from a harder background, but I would say in the beginning, their wrestling and all that, their their ability was 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 scary for sure. But now that the internet's around and people can watch what they're doing, and young guys like myself can implement that into their training, obviously I don't have the base that they do or whatever, but I can look and analyze certain things that they do, um, and implement them into my own game and understand how they work. Back in the day, they're it was just a mystery as to how they were doing certain things. Um, at the end of the day, man, everybody's got an off switch. Everybody bleeds. And it's just a matter of getting in there and believing you're the savage, just like they are. Even the, even that guy in your class who trains with uh, Darren Till. Kamzad? Yeah. He's got an off switch. Oh yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Okay. I don't care how tough you are. If you find this enough, you're going to sleep. Nighty nighty. He doesn't even seem real to me. He's tough for sure. He's a gangster. He's one of the real ones. That's like, yeah, he's a gangster. He is a gangster. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Tough background, tough upbringing, but man, at the end of the day, like, those are the kind of fights that I want. Like, those are the ones I want to build towards. You know what I mean? Like having somebody in there with you to see what to pull out what what's inside of you, right? You have to have somebody who who is equal or greater at least in terms of that that dog in you to bring that dog out of you. Somebody like me or somebody I feel like who's a lot of who does it the right way, they're not going to bring the dog out and get into a gunfight if they don't need to. They're going to be technical. They're going to be an assassin. They're going to try to get the job done as clean as you can. Somebody like Kamzat, he's got to have somebody who, one, refuses to be on the back foot. They refuse to be that. They refuse to be the beta in there. Right. They, they come forward, but it's not coming forward out of anger or how to out of angst or out of you know just wanting to get it over with because you're in there with a guy like Kamzat you've got to you got to pack your lunch you got to be ready for five rounds and you got to be willing to take the fight to him not just on the feet but on on the ground as well on the wrestling as well the thing with wrestling is as soon as they get you to the back like as soon as you get somebody to the mat and their backs on the mat that's where a lot of wrestling stops right when you pin somebody their backs on the mat that's where it stops so a lot of the wrestling I feel like a lot of the wrestling, what would you say? The wrestling mm, skill set is more for getting somebody to the mat, right? And pushing forward in terms of trying to take them down. When you take a wrestler down and you make them work on their back, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be like what we talked about earlier, where they're trying to get up instantly. But if you solidify that position on a wrestler, it becomes a jujitsu fight. It's not a wrestling fight anymore. Uh. Take that to Kamzat. You have to take that to Khabib. You have to take that to the Russians. You have to go into that fire, and you cannot be scared of any place that the fight goes. You have to be complete on the feet, on the ground, on jiu-jitsu, everything. 
and you can't be scared. You can't be that back foot guy. You can't be just be waiting. You have to set the tone. You have to go forward, and you have to walk into that fire, and that's how you beat these Russians. When you say on your back foot, what does that mean? It means okay, so um, it means like if you're walk, go ahead, letting them walk forward, right? Letting putting your back to the cage. You know that that um, black octagon in the middle of like in the middle of the canvas. Yes, if sir. What's on the outside of that? I consider that being on the back foot. You have okay. to lead the dance and dictate the pace, in my opinion, against those guys. What what he did to the guy from China, I can't remember his name. Carry picked uh, him up and carried him over to the side in the talking thing. That was like. I mean, from a fan's perspective, I mean, I'm no fighter. That was like, oh, shit, what are we watching? Like, that that was nuts. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, that's the, that's kind of the gangster component. I'd like to get my hands on, what was the, Li Jing, the leech or whatever. I'd like to feel him and see what he felt like, too, so I could, I could kind of, you know. His yeah. head is like a cinder block, that dude's head, that Chinese dude's head. Right, that so where's the opening? The ground, right? If you can't knock him out. yeah. And that's what he did. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that guy's head is nuts. It's a it's it's a trip. All the the and and, and speaking of uh, heads that are nuts, have you ever seen pictures of um, Hazmat with without his beard? He got a little olive oil head. He got like I a little tiny. Yeah, he got just, his head's just like a little cantaloupe, like one of those pr- like small ones. You're like, this thing's four ninety nine. This thing's too small. <laughs> I buy a lot of cantaloupe for my kids. We eat a lot of cantaloupe in my house. Heard that. Okay, let's go to the. Let's just stop fucking around and go to the main card. I'm so I'm. I, I almost don't want um Colby. And, oh yeah, wait. Let's talk about this. Kevin Holland and Oliveira. I think Holland is going to. I feel bad for Oliveira. I think he has like zero, 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 zero chance. And I like the guy, but I think he's just toast. Uh, I would agree with you on that one. I think so. He's tough, but I think Holland's too slick for him. And and this is Holland's first fight at 171, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he, yeah, he's a lot of dude. He is. He's long. He knows how to use it. He's slick. He's, you know, the only thing I would say, Oliveira, I think, would have the advantage on the ground. But I know Holland's been drilling a lot of wrestling and stuff like that, too. So, man, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But I'm with you. I think Holland gets it done. I can't tell if Holland is mentally unstable or uh, he's got he's got a little cuckoo in him. I can't tell if he's just like at first I just thought it was that's his personality. I just thought like hey he's just a guy who likes to, who needs to talk to like flush his energy through him. Like that's how energy passes through him. But sometimes I wonder if he's a little cuckoo. Like it's a little too much. I don't think it's that. I think it's a defense mechanism for him. I see a lot of like I've seen this a lot of times in in other sports too, but it's guys who are talented, guys who are um really good and probably can make that next leap, probably can be championship contenders, probably can be, you know, the elite of the elite, but there's something in his head where I don't, this is me looking from the outside, dude. It's almost like he doesn't want to admit what his goals are and want to admit his, he doesn't want to put his, um, Oh, that pressure on himself. He doesn't want to come out and just say, Hey, I want to be world champion. Right. He wants to live behind that. You know, that the funny guy, the, the trash talker, the, and it's great. It's maybe it's his style. Maybe I'm completely off with this, but to me, there's I've seen it before, and there's like a certain thing where guys will they don't want to take it serious, and they don't want to to put themselves out there like that. So they be they they relax and they be the funny, the sarcastic, the the I don't really care if I lose. I, I'm I'm here for a good time. I'm here for the money. Blah blah blah. And maybe maybe that's the truth. Um, that's not my kind of deal, but 
Um, I don't know. I think there's a bit of a defense mechanism up there with that. I wonder if that's what um, Alex Caceres is doing. I like the guy a lot. Don't get me wrong. This isn't a dig at him, but his is the exact opposite. His is he's very quiet. He plays that purest martial artist. I don't watch the sport. I don't know who any of the guys are. I just get the call and I go in there and I do my Bruce Lee shit. Bruce Leroy Caceres. But I wonder if that is just a mechanism. It's like, it's like, um, it's like these people who, um, you, you know, when you, uh, I don't know if this is going to be too far out there of an example, but there's these people that realize that, um, uh, that objects won't bring you happiness. Right. And so they sort of take this ascetic lifestyle and they start to live like the Jesus or the Buddha lifestyle. And you think that, Hey, I can't have objects are the source of all unhappiness. What they don't realize is it's not necessarily the objects. It's your relationship to them. It's not, it's not your car that's bringing you unhappiness. It's your attachment to it that when it breaks down. And so I wonder if it's like this, they're, they're afraid they it's like have you ever had those friends who don't want to like date a girl or fall in love with a girl because they don't want to get hurt and you're like are you fucking kidding me dude go get that and get your heart broken who gives a fuck just come home and cry if she if she breaks your heart it's like they don't want to put all their eggs in one basket kind of thing yeah they're just like they're just scared of the of losing and they're they're scared of failure i guess i don't want to say it's scared of failure i guess i don't know in some ways, yeah, I think it's a defense mechanism to that because then you can always say, oh, well, I could have put this, I could have put that into it, I could have done this. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's always that, yeah, but I could have. Yeah. Which, which to me, as as somebody who like tries to, you know, build their life into this, that, that's, that conversation is one that I couldn't rest my head on the pillow and go with. Yeah, I could have done this. Like, that's not you a could or couldn't. Say that again. Say that. Explain that to me again. You couldn't do well, what? Somebody like me, I couldn't go in and I couldn't say to myself when I'm trying to, you know, go to sleep at night, oh, I could have, I could have done this. Some people take solace in that, in that they didn't put everything so that in their head they can say, if I would have just put this in there, I'd be in his position or I'd be here, I'd be there. Somebody like me, that eats me up, dude, even before like a fight. If I feel like I didn't check every single box, put every little egg in this basket, I feel like shit and I don't have confidence going into that fight. Confidence breeds from preparation, it breeds from what you put into it from your lifestyle, from what you're reading, what you're writing about. It's, it's an intention kind of thing, I guess. And what, some people have an intention where they don't want to put all of themselves into it. So they reserve a certain piece of themselves that doesn't get hurt in a relationship, in a fight, in a whatever. They have a certain yeah. piece that they can hold on to. But I don't know. It's that piece that if they gave it, you would see the next level of, of, love in a relation you'd see the next level of of fighting and you need you'd see the next level of of whatever and the other thing you touched on it a little bit too i think about the aesthetic lifestyle and all that for me one thing i try to i obviously want more things i want to climb to the top of this division i want i want a ufc belt around my late my waist all that it's it's why you want the things i think that's important too your intention oh it. i still want I want that's so good. I want land. I want cows. I want all these things, but I don't want them because I want people to look at me having them. I want them so I can go fucking pet a cow or have my own milk. I don't, I don't want shoes so that when I go out, people can look at my shoes and say, damn, he's got money, bro. He's, he's making it. He's done. He's done it. I want all these things for myself to build a better life for myself and the people around me. I want these things that they're not surface level things. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, it's a big thing. Yeah, it's it's funny you say it. So when I first started this podcast, I told the guy I was partnering with to do it. I was like, hey, I'm only going to do 500 shows and I'm getting out. And I think that that was me being afraid because in my mind, I'm better than Joe Rogan and Howard Stern put together. 
And so that was just me being a fucking coward and building an out for myself. And you're in, and I want to be at the top of my fucking game and I want to own this space. And you're right. I don't want to, I, I, I'm not doing it to get pussy. I'm doing it to, uh, so that I can, uh, build a fence around my property and get a cow and teach my kids how to milk a cow. You're right. It's crazy. You're too young to be teaching me shit. Don't do that. Don't come on my show and school my shit. Dude, I'll, t- I'll tell you the one I had. To- <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you my little. You're half my little- fucking age, boy. Right, go ahead. <laughs> We're trying, dude. People like you, I get to learn from a bunch. So hopefully I can spout a little, a little something every once in a while. But um, <laughs> for me, the little thing I had to get over, like you said, Kamzat, he's a guy. He's one of those savages. He comes from a, all those Dagestani guys, or maybe it's a favela in Brazil. For me, one of the things I had to get over was that I don't come from something like that. In most places, most jobs, most things you want to climb to, those things are a detriment. In our sport, something like that, that rough background is your biggest your biggest ally. So for me, when I was first getting into the sport, I'd wonder if I had that dog in me. I would wonder if I had that when, you know, when shit got tough, you know, those guys are coming from nothing. They're fighting with everything they got. How do I get how for me? How do I get to that point? Because I, I have two great parents. I have. I'm not going to say we were super well off or anything, but they made so many sacrifices that whatever opportunity I wanted to go after, I knew I had it. So how white do privilege, I white privilege, out? motherfucker, white privilege. I know, right. I want, I want one of these fucking people who talks about white privilege to tell white privilege to Kayla Harrison. I want to, <laughs> I want to lock you in a fucking room with her and you spout off your white privilege shit to her, to her, see what she fucking does exactly. to you. I pay money to see exactly. that. Tell me about her fucking white privilege. you you know her, right? No, I wish. No. She's a savage. Oh, okay. Sorry. I had you confused. So, someone else we had on the show trains with her. A complete savage and a brutal upbringing. A brutal fucking upbringing. I'll take fucking whatever happened to Hazmat a million times over what happened to her. You know her story? I don't think I've gone into it too much. I've- her judo instructor fucking raped her from when she was eight to when she was 16 on the reg. Jesus. Jesus. Man. And that's that same fucking instructor that fucking built her up to be the fucking first American world champion. And you want to tell me that that's not a fucking tough – yeah, 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 crazy, right? How scrambled is she? And she's cool as shit, dude. If you ever get a chance to meet her, she's on the show. That that girl is real. Oh, I love She's cool as kid. shit. Yeah, she's dope. Man. She's dope. Okay, okay, sorry. Sorry, we're all over the place. I got to get a pee so bad. I just want to get his thoughts on Colby and um, and 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 Jorge. I love both these guys. I, I love I, – I, 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 I don't – they both are so real to me. I, I get so bummed when people tell me about Colby's act because I don't see his act. I guess maybe game recognized game. I just see a dude who works so fucking hard, who has an amazing engine, who really wants to win and all that other stuff. I just I don't even see. It's like when I'm picking fruit off a tree. I don't look at the leaves. I'm like, oh, there's an orange and there's an orange. And maybe I'm naive. But in the same with Jorge. I just love Jorge and I'm just, I'm tripping that these guys have to do this, but, but what are your thoughts on them? Man? No, I agree with you. If you look at Colby's ability, strictly his ability, f- screw all the extracurricular shit, all that. His, he's a, he's one of the greatest in the world. There's no, yeah. um, I think where, where it gets weird though, is like when you create it, he, he's definitely created a character, right? I think where it gets weird is when you create a character, you start, that starts seeping into your personality somewhere, right? That starts seeping into who you are, at least some way, especially like believing your own hype, believing your own lie. Exactly. But also believing the, believing the character that he's made, the character that he's made is this untouchable, this, this, you know, this invincible kind of guy, this, this larger than life figure from my experience, 
I think George has said this, you know, in his interviews as well, but yes, that's great. As long as the fight, as long as the fight's going your way, as long as it's maybe, you know, you're, you're setting the pace, you're on the front foot, somebody like George, man, he's going to be in there, whether he's on the front foot, whether he's on the back foot, whether he's getting his ass beat for three rounds or whether he's not somebody like Colby, who's built that character. If you do, if he, if he has started to believe that, when that facade gets broken by somebody like George, who's not going to, not going to wither under your pressure, you can start to fall apart quicker than your opponent can make you fall apart. And I don't know that like to me, to me, recognizing my vulnerabilities going into a fight is like the biggest superpower. I don't know the conversations Covington has in his head, whether he recognizes those things, whether he he gives George credit for what he's good at and whether he evaluates himself and looks you know, looks to see where his weaknesses are, but just that idea of not being in touch with your vulnerabilities and not understanding where you're weak or where you're, uh, where you're not in the greatest spot in a fight. I think that is, as it gets longer, as the fight goes on, I think that starts to show itself a little bit more. Now, can you give me an example of that? What do you mean by vulnerability? Like, are you talking about like emotional or like what's going on in your life? Are you talking about like actual tangible stuff like hey my my right my right hand's a little slow and this guy's i could expose like you're talking about like that i think it's more along the technical lines but i think also like yeah it can like regular life as well like if you're if you're not sure where you're you're lacking in certain places it's gonna you know what i mean like that that shit pops up on its own but i'm more talking about the technical side and then when the technical side gets exposed that's when the vulnerabilities in your mindset get exposed when you start realizing that it's not going to be a walk in the park that you're not going to be able to set a pace on this guy like you were able to maybe he is dude i don't know but at that first sign of resistance that second sign of resistance that third sign of resistance that i think george is going to give him does he start to unravel or does he you know keep it cool and keep his pressure or whatever i don't know i i I think um how about this let me push back here the, the 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 first fight he had against Usman, I think they both walked away with their dignity intact. Then the second fight with Usman, I can't remember. If, I think let's just say the first two rounds, it looked like Usman w- was going to clearly destroy him. But 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 Colby stayed in it. He did. He and did. in the in the third, fourth, and fifth round, we saw we saw. Um, like, like he he didn't he didn't fall apart like you like you felt like he could have I mean you see it's it's weird when you see fights like that like a guy win the first lose the first round and then come back even mentally and chug back along so and, and we know what Usman did to 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 both of them right but but he beat up Usman beat up Jorge more easily than he beat up Colby that's for sure right he controlled him for sure I think more uh the second one I guess beat up's out. not the right word yeah yours is better wording yeah he controlled Jorge more he beat Colby up more Right. And that's honestly, I think that's what Colby's going to try to do to George. I think he's going to try to put him against the cage, make his arms fill up with blood, make him wrestle early in the fight. And then hopefully for him, you know, start adding on to the volume, adding on to the wrestling later and later on. But who knows, man? They're both beautiful strikers. I, it's, it's weird when people say Colby's sloppy. I, like I hear people criticizing him. Do you think that at all? No, dude, not at all. Not yeah, at me all. neither. I don't think he's sloppy at all. I think there's also like people underestimate, like I get used to seeing a jab across a hook, a uppercut a certain way, right? A kick a certain way. When somebody has that, that's just a little bit different from that. It changes the angle. It changes. The, imagine you're, you're, we're playing baseball, right? You're used to overhand pitching all the time. Then you get this guy who comes in and throws 70 miles per hour, but it's from a submarine angle, 
right? You've got to adjust to that. It's different. It's the same thing with guys who I wouldn't say he's sloppy. I'd say he has stuff that comes from different angles and he has different rhythms and he has a, he has a lot faster pace than most guys too. Yeah. Colby. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts. Is it that he doesn't have knockout power? Or he just doesn't throw just, he, he he's, he's just, he's, um, he's measured in his punches. I'd say he's measured. I would say he's also not, I don't think he cares about knocking. I think he punches to like, just stay in your face. I think he wrestles to just stay in your face. I think his biggest weapon is his gas tank. And he uses that whether he's wrestling or whether he's, he's fighting. If he throws big shots, that gas tank dwindles down. Like you said, he's measured and he's just constant, constant, constant. Um, and what about um, uh, Jorge's start, how he starts the fights leaned up back up against the fence? What do you think about that? There's a, there's a handful of guys who do that where they're just so chill. Like they like, what do you think about that? Mm. You know what I'm talking about? How he starts all yeah. his fights? Yeah, to each their own. I don't. Um, I mean, everybody's got their own little triggers, I guess, that make them feel comfortable in there. They've got their own kind of little patterns that they do before the fight. You know, while Bruce Buffer's announcing their name and all that. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't read too much too much into that one. Um, going scrolling down one fight. Um, you have Rafael dos Anjos. Uh, arguably one of the greatest fighters in the UFC of all time. Just, he's got this insane long career. He's was, I think he was champion at the 55 class, correct? Yeah. And I think when I first started watching the UFC, like six or seven years ago that he, or eight years ago, whenever that was, he was the champion. He was the guy to beat. And then he went up to 171 and got, had some wars and then came back down. And I heard him say that this is his last run. I think he's 37 years old. Um, this, this is kind of a must win for him, huh? I'd say so. I'd say so. Um, and his body looks amazing. He looks like he's in the best shape of his life. He looks like he's made of stone. He does, dude. I think he's had with that move up to one seventy. I think it's oh, it's at one hundred and sixty, huh? Oh, oh, because they had to find a replacement for the guy he was fighting. Okay. So they got this guy last minute, two weeks notice. Okay, and this guy's catchweight guy. Moicano's a gangster, bro. He's good too. Real good. Didn't he just fight? Not sure. Not sure. Anyway, thoughts on this fight? Um, who's man, gonna this, win it? This could go either way. I probably got Dos Anjos, though, to be honest. Um, if he keeps the pressure like he kind of usually does, get gets nasty up against the cage, I think uh, I think we'll be able to get it done. What do you got? And then, what do you think about Bryce Mitchell? You know, Bryce Mitchell's kind of doing what it sounds like you might want to do. Bryce Mitchell is fighting to put together a farm. Yeah, dude, I watch all his little YouTube series. I watch. Yeah, no, he is. He is the meta. He's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, he's cool as shit. That's a fucking tough fight. That dude right there. He's fighting. Maybe, maybe, I guess, arguably one of the better athletes in the in the UFC. Barboza is amazing. That yeah. this is going to be a crazy fight. This is kind of a, um, a, a, I guess, a moment of truth for Bryce, huh? Yeah, no, it's a big step up. If he wins this, I mean, that his star power shoots through the roof, hundred percent. It's a huge fight. All right. Well, thank you, AJ. Do you have a pick for that one before we go between those two? I know that's a hard one between Edson and Bryce. Man, I'm going to go Bryce just because I think he's going to be tough enough to survive the Edson onslaught in round one. And then once Edson kind of burns that explosive muscle of his, I think Bryce is going to going to slowly boa constrictor him. 
I think that you're just picking them because of the uh, reach difference. Does he have a reach? Yeah, my man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I want to thank everyone for watching today. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, Caleb. And thank you, of course, most of all, Dylan Vowell, our local uh, fighter who watches every show. Thank you. And uh, good luck, AJ. Not that you need it, but we'll all be watching.